Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. Dave and Pastor Patty McCoy, who is out in Crosswalk Portland, the three of us get together weekly and just kind of share back and forth our thoughts. And you can kind of see how some of the, the thoughts that end up in our teachings kind of bubble to the surface and other things entirely. So you could go check out that podcast. Um, but we are going to today take a, take a little trip into the wilderness, if you don't mind. And some of us don't experience um, depression much or anxiety all that much. Others of us do, and some of us do in the kind of seasons that feel a lot like a desert experience, a wilderness situation. And we're going to go and check in with Jesus and uh, we're going to take a little bit of a look at the idea of our mental health and the kinds of things we experience by asking some of what Jesus experienced. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 4, if you don't mind, get a little bit of a, a roll on into this. If you don't know, already in Luke, or it's also recorded in Matthew and in Mark, slightly differently in each of those places, but it follows the time period at the beginning, it's also spoken of in John, where Jesus is at the riverside that John is preaching, John the Baptist, and he is baptized, and then this happens in the fourth chapter of Luke. Verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, time out, a little bit of a pause. <clears throat> I think we would do well to admit something here together right now, and, and maybe, maybe you would end up thinking about it without me bringing it up, but I just feel a deep need to bring up this admission, and it is that we have uh, three little pieces here that I, I want to admit. One, we have a problem, and we, or at least I, have a perspective, and we have a worldview, and these three things probably bear admitting publicly before we can really study this passage very well or talk about it very helpfully. So the problem, by the way, is that we often unhealthfully generalize and hype. This makes me feel in deep danger because anything I say, you may think I am saying this is the way it is for everybody, for every person, for all time, for every situation, and we all know this is not true. Or even worse, we may take something that is true, maybe even for all people, for all time but blow it into the only thing that could possibly be true. A generalization, for instance, would be, you know, if we're struggling with mental health issues right now, depression, anxiety, that means you're struggling with temptation because we're studying about the temptations of Jesus as we talk about this right now, so I'm saying you're That's not a fair conclusion or generalization to come to, even if there is important learnings we can gather from this passage of Scripture. Hype would be, for instance, to say, prayer helps, therefore all you need to do is pray. Or, definitely not all you need to do is pray, therefore help, prayer does not help. Either of those two are taking one piece and hyping it past, it's blowing it up past what would really be helpful. Another example would be that, that neurodivergence and depression are akin to one another since, since they both have to do with our thought processes. That, that's a generalization that does not work, right? You see how this is potentially problematic and anything that I say could be taken to say something I'm not meaning or anything we would pull out of scripture could be we, we're really going to have to be thoughtful about how complex all of this is. Or how about this hype? 
If God has the power to make a difference and you're struggling, it's a demonstration of your lack of faith. Yeah, see, we, we're going to have to dig a little harder than that. Perspective, um, now this may be just me, but as I share, then you can understand and unpack how and what I'm saying, right? This perspective that I have is that temptation is indeed a part of our mental processes that could reveal insights into challenges we experience. That isn't everything that has to do with our mental processes, but temptation happens in here, not out here. And in fact, it is something, we're gonna kind of split into this worldview comment here in just a second too. This is something that we talk about in certain sorts of ways and we probably shouldn't generalize it to mean everything is a temptation or nothing is a temptation, but we're gonna unpack something about temptation. The reason I think it has relevance here, it is my perspective that this happens in the mind and that conversations in our mind, whether you acknowledge that there is a God or not, that there are conversations and loops and patterns and questions, some helpful, some harmful, and it's all, it's what, it's happening in here, which is the same place we, we experience anxiety. It's the same place that we experience depression that we don't know how to come out of. It's the same place that we would have ideation about suicide or, and the worldview, we get into it here. So Hebrews, I love this. Hebrews says that Jesus understands every weakness of yours and of mine, every one of them. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Think about this. The devil in this conversation studies Jesus. Temptations are only temptations if you're tempted. And sometimes we might suppose that Jesus was not tempted, but as we get into this story today, you're going to find him in mental anguish. And by the way, one of the temptations for sure has a string across the entire life of Jesus, his entire existence here on this earth. One of the last things we'll hear him dealing with is his mental anguish over this exact same temptation. I'm not tempted by cake, you should know which could fool you into thinking I am a bit of a health nut. No, just don't like cake. Every once in a while, somebody surprises me with cake that I like, and I'm, real, I'm blown away by it. It has to be extraordinarily, you know, like tres leche, you know, I mean, there might be something if it's, if it's moist enough. You want to bridge the gap, go flan. I know, I'm hitting this particular segment right now. But I'll tell you something I am always tempted by, it's pie. Not chocolate, anything involving fruit. Fruit, pies, I am, I am, I know already, I am tempted. So cake does not tempt me, and if somebody were trying to tempt me and they knew anything about me at all, they wouldn't go for it with cake. They'd go pie. And the devil shows up in a vulnerable time in a wilderness. Jesus is struggling. I'm going to suggest to you, he doesn't show up with cake. He shows up with pie. Yeah, this perspective, um, 
is a, is a pivotal one, an important one, and it already gives a little tip-off to world worldview you might not have as you sit here today, and I'm not necessarily even trying to talk you into it as much as I want you to be aware of it and that you would at least accept that this is my worldview and so we can talk about this. My worldview includes sin, Satan, and your uniqueness. Sin, Satan, and your, your uniqueness I believe that we are in a world of sin, we are not as God had intended us to be. And that not only do we experience things, maybe the first time any human being has ever experienced it right here and now, but we also come to this moment with a brokenness that is accumulated over time. It can be hereditary, it can be genetic, it can be physical, it can be mental, there can be all sorts of pieces to this conversation. So it's not just about how I'm processing a thought in this moment. It's not just about what my personality is able to bear. It's complex and it's big because we live in a broken world and that has ramifications. And I, I'm just going to say it. Some people don't believe. Fewer and fewer Christians, by the way, believe there is indeed a devil, which makes this story we're about to look at nonsensical. I do, and I'm very interested in the notion the scripture tips its, its hat to in referring to the devil as Satan or Satan. It's a word that actually means in Hebrew, all the way back in the book of Job, means the accuser, the one who comes with accusation. Oh, some of you know it well. You may have thought it's only you in your own mind and your own little loop that throws accusation upon accusation upon yourself in a way that's crippling. I think there's something bigger going on. Again, remember, we could hype that to a place that the only thing that's going on is an accuser in our mind. And it's not our own patterns. And it's not the fact that I've deprived myself of sleep. And it's not the fact that I've got a chemical imbalance in my brain. It's not the fact that I've got a a crisis, and even a terrible thing that happened in my life that I've never processed, and I don't even know how it's showing up in me. We're not gonna overhype it, but we're gonna admit it. The Bible says it this way, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, and against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. It's, there's more going on. Uh, yeah, you can, you can end up battling this maybe in the physicality of traffic, but I think way more than that, it's in our minds where decisions are made and where commitment is made and where I submit to Jesus that these battles show up most completely. And beyond all of that, you are unique. Be thoughtful. Be thoughtful about assuming your experience is the same as the person who's sitting next to you. We are all unique. If marriage has taught me anything, it is about how much you can love someone and grow close to and together and tighter and tighter and yet be so extremely unique. And maybe even especially on this subject of how our minds process the world around us and what's going on and the conversations in our own head. Mine tend to be quite positive. My wife was struggled with a different kind of loop in hers. So be thoughtful about your uniqueness. Well, 
I want to make, make a suggestion to you that I want you to test as we're talking, okay? Would you mind? This is a, this is a theory that I have. I think, you know, it came out in our sacred echo conversation between Tim and Patty and myself. But this is a little a supposition I have, and that is that every meaningful temptation is derived from a lie. If it comes from the truth, it's not a temptation. It's God's hope for you. The future he plans for you. If it comes from a lie, it probably is a loop that is helping draw you away from him. So we're going to get into this again. Let's just, just go. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And I just want to pause there and just highlight a couple of things. There he is, 40 days, 40 nights, tempted by the devil. Sometimes we read this and it sounds like at the end of 40 days, the devil shows up. You're not maybe aware that the Greek verb there that we translated translate tempted could easily be translated and he was constantly tempted by the devil. Unmercifully tempted by the devil. He was hounded that whole time by the devil who knows he likes pie, not cake. And I would draw your attention to how this begins. Because sometimes, forgive us, please, as church leaders, sometimes we suggest to you that the problem in our lives, whether about temptation or about our anxieties, is that we are not with Jesus and we are not in the Spirit. Notice, he is in the Spirit when this is happening. It is not true that being close to Jesus inoculates you from the challenges of our inner world. That is not, that doesn't work in this story, nor does it in yours. We need to figure out how to separate this idea that I'm struggling with something in my inner world and it means I am forsaken or distant from Jesus. For Luke would say, these two things are true at the same time. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit and in anguish, in mental struggle. The next verse says, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Captain Obvious. I, mean, I guess it's possible that at the end of them, he can't even... Can't even figure out hunger anymore, because that's a long, long, long time. The devil says to him, gets him right up to the right point, he's been hounding him, he's been badgering him, he's been, it's pie time, and he goes to Jesus and he says, I tell you what, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread and eat. By the way, you know God wants you to be fed. So do it. How do you know, Jesus, that the fact that there have been no other things to eat isn't just evidence of God's invitation for you to make this bread? Ah. Oh. And I just want to outline 
a couple of things. First of all, our mental anguish, this is borne out by data. Our mental anguish is harder, it is made harder, it is made worse by lack of healthy habits. I'm not suggesting Jesus was purposely diving into bad habits here. I'm just taking the opportunity of his lack of food to point out something that most any counselor is gonna ask you if you sit down with them. They're gonna ask you, how are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Have you, have, you, have you thought about getting out into some fresh air and sunshine and breathing deeply? It's amazing, by the way, how much our breathing affects our attitudes, our processing, and our self-image. Have you eaten actual food? Ah, so the lie? Here's the lie I think Jesus is struggling with. You aren't who God says you are. You're, you're not who God says you are. Oh, you think you are? Prove it. Why do you need to prove it? Because I'm not sure. Some of you have grown quite confident in a certain skill or task that you have, so much so for so many years, and it would be the weirdest thing for you to even bring it up publicly. No, I'm really good at this. That insecurity that would drive you to do that is born of the question, are you actually really any good at that? The lie is that you are not the son of God. Are you? Not without this kind of proof. Think about this. What has just happened? Jesus has just been baptized, and as he comes up from the water, there's a voice from heaven. Do you remember it? This is what the voice says. You are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And the first temptation is if you are the son. I'm going to suspect some of our deepest internal struggles come from a voice who is challenging you, that you are who God says you are. Hmm. Who does God say you are? You are my son. You are my daughter. You are not a servant, you are not a slave, you are not one who needs to prove you are a part of my family. You are a prince, you are a princess. You are valuable, you are valued, you are irreplaceable, you are better alive forever. And in our inner thoughts, over and over it can tumble as we allow it to percolate in our heads or maybe it comes from out of the blue we don't know why or where or maybe it was a parent who said it or a spouse who lived it you are not these things you're not who god says you are jesus answers it's written Man doesn't live by bread alone. And this is a bit of a sidestep, but I think it's an interesting thing. Because again, 
if we're not careful, because we know that prayer is not going to be the whole story, we might, we might miss out on this incredible gift that God has for us of a conversation with God. To tell him what your mind is telling you, that you've read his saying different. To check into scripture in the Psalms through the New Testament, the things God says about you. Some of us need almost like a little mantra, right? Something that we would rehearse and we would say over again and over again because God said it and I need to claim it. It's not gonna be enough, but it is a part of the story. I think it's one of the most powerful things about scripture is that we can keep checking in on who God says we are that we are tempted to deny. You know, Zechariah chapter two, verse eight says, you are the apple of God's eye. If anything happens to you, Zechariah says, if somebody were to harm you, if something were to happen to you, it, you are the apple of his, you are his favorite thing. Throw that into the conversation that says, I am worthless, I will never be enough, I'm a fraud. It goes on, the devil leads him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to whoever I want to. So if you worship me, it will be yours. I'm just thinking every temptation is based on a lie. So what's the lie here? The lie is there's a shortcut you should take. There's a shortcut you should take. The devil is offering Jesus a crossless messiahship. And if you think this is kind of easy for Jesus, check in with him at the end of his life, right before the cross, and he is bleeding out of his pores, asking, is there any other way than the cross? This will be his constant struggle, and he's got an easy out, and this could happen for you. This could happen for me, an easy out. By the way, just in terms of decision-making, it's, it's a fascinating question. What do I do when the thing God has promised me shows up as available, but in the wrong way? God has promised you, you will be loved. But we can shortcut that. God has promised you, I will deal with your pain. We can shortcut that. Jesus will continue to struggle with this. I, there's a kind of a twist on this lie. And that twist is that there's a simple magic pill solution. Sometimes it's an actual pill. Sometimes it's that well-meaning follower of Jesus who tells you a spiritual discipline that will cure it all. Sometimes it's somebody showing up telling you about herbs. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's... You know what? Our physical health impacts our thinking. Your food, your sleep, your exercise, but it is not a miracle pill. 
Our spiritual processes impact our thinking, prayer, scripture, sharing that. Community impacts this in a huge, big way. It's why it's worth taking the risk to fumble about and try to share right here, right now, is because we can be a family and talk about real things and maybe we'll open up to each other over time in ways that could be healthy and helpful, and, but might be in a small group. It could be your family, it could be friends, but don't, don't misunderstand another piece of this puzzle is expertise. And there are individuals with expertise you should consider, some of us should consider, some of us should demystify, some of us should turn our back on this notion that going to counseling says something really terrible about me. What other part of our life would we say, you know what, don't check with the experts. Just fumble about. And sometimes those experts know about things to check on that involve our chemical makeup that can help bring us back to some point of center. I'm just going to say to you, good health is almost never about expediency. It's rarely the same thing. Here's the third one. Jesus Jesus will answer, by the way, on the way to the third one, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I'm not going to take a shortcut. Verse 9, the devil leads him to Jerusalem and has him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he says, he's back to it again, questioning that you are who God says you are. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For don't the scriptures say, you've been quoting Jesus, you've been quoting scripture, don't the scriptures say he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, that they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Don't miss, by the way, that Matthew says when this whole barrage is over, Jesus is re energized, is fortified, is ministered to by angels. The angels are going to be there. But what's the lie? By the way, it's not enough to know scripture. There are an awful lot of people with bad theology. What's the lie? The lie at its base is, Jesus, I'm not sure you matter. You want to prove you matter? Jump. Think about this. I guess you could come to the conclusion that what was going on with Jesus in the wilderness was just a walk in the park and an easy thing for him. You're going to need to check into the Garden of Gethsemane and him bleeding. I don't know when the last time you struggled so hard with mental anguish that you were bleeding from your pores. I want to say to you, Jesus knows what it is to be tempted to jump from a building over the mental anguish surrounding the central question, would anyone care? Would someone even want to save me? Last week, Pastor Tim said, he hears 
He hears what no one else hears. He understands what you cannot imagine he understands. And he stays. Why does he stay? Because he loves you and wants to save you. If it's miraculous and quick, usually not. If it takes time, if it's a journey, if you can be filled with the Spirit and struggling. Jesus would say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're skipping some stuff there, buddy. It says, the Bible says, don't put the Lord your God to the, to the test. The Bible says, trust that what he says is true. The Bible says, live into the promise that he does care for you. That you don't have to walk around trying to prove it all the time. You can live in it. That he is saving you. Even in the midst of mental chaos, disease, struggle. I will say, when the devil had finished all this tempting, <laughs> he left him, but not for long. Hey, somebody here has experienced a victory. Praise God. Some of us have experienced a victory only to discover things come back at us. Is we live in a world of sin and we have an accuser. But God loves you. He knows you. Just understand this. As you're tempted to think the worst about yourself, it's, you, yeah, I, I realize, because again, we can generalize. There may be something about yourself you do need to face. <laughs> I think that's probably true on some level for all of us. But the devil loves to take the truth and wrap it in a lie, and that lie is that God doesn't care about you. He's not powerful enough, or doesn't, isn't here enough, doesn't exist enough, or doesn't care enough about just you. He cares about those people. Watch what happens in their lives. Oh, if only we could peek into what's going on in their minds, we would discover we're so often wrong about who's struggling with what. So I wanna know, what, what lies are you listening to today? We need to combat them. It's one of the things we're committed to doing here is talking openly about all that's going on in our lives, but repeating, 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 you are the apple of his eye. If you would get to God's refrigerator, there's a picture of you on it. And he will not stop. He will come to you in the wilderness. Angels, the spirit of Jesus. Lord God, we have no idea what the person sitting next to us or down the row is experiencing. We do know this. 
we're in the midst of a battle here and it comes from in part things that we have done that we're not proud of. It comes from in part being born into a world that is broken and filled with sin and that we carry these burdens of brokenness on us. And it comes in part from the fact that we are in a setting where we're in a battle. We're in a battle right now. To even hear you, to understand that the truth is you love us and you care for us. And Lord, I just pray that right now, right here, you would convict us again that you hear the cry of our heart. And when you hear, it's not like some distant person who cannot even understand the language. You've experienced it too. So you understand. And not only do you stay, You are able to carry us through even this to the one who hears, to the one who understands, to the one who stays, to the one who is more than able. We bring our brokenness to be unbroken. Thank you for joining us for this teaching. Consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week. If you'd like to support Crosswalk Chattanooga, go to crosswalkvillage.com Chattanooga and click the Give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top. Notice the campus drop-down menu and select Chattanooga. And if you'd like to come and worship with us on a Saturday morning, we would love that. When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name.